never worried that you might be the cool kid You wear the latest fashions on top of all the trends Or have you ever worried you were too much in the mainstream Always so generic, more normal than your friends Well, we've devised a test to put to rest your fears There's no need to panic if you lend us your ears Tonight you can't sleep easy after all that you've heard Cause if you like the show, then you're probably a nerd Oh, can it's can it's Sunday. You know what that means. It's time for a new episode of the It's Canon Podcast. The podcast where we talk about all things geek. The podcast where we talk about all things pop culture. The podcast where we talk about anything and everything. Because as the name of the show is, it's all in canon. It's the It's Canon Podcast. We're your hosts as always. I'm Boris and I'm joined by Phil. Hello everyone. How are you doing Mr. Boris? I am doing pretty good. All things considered. A little tired, busy week, but here we are, another news episode, and we have a lot to go through. So, we're going to be talking about Dogecoin and what the fuck happened. We're going to be talking about Discord saying no to Microsoft, yes to Sony, Apple v. Epic, some interesting movie industry news. Uh, we're going to be talking about Space Junk, and of course, we have all the video game news. Oh, oh, oh. That's a jam-packed episode, my friend. Yep. It really is. It really is. So yeah. what's going on, Phil? I, I, you know what? Like last night, as you saw in our show chat, I was like, hey, you know what? I have to get caught up on the news this week. Normally, I'm, I'm out there and I'm looking. And yep. lately, I've been a little bit lazy. Well, not lazy, but distracted by work, as we all are. There's busy times, and this is one of them. So I was looking through it, and you know what? I was a little bit overwhelmed with how much crap happened this week. <laughs> yeah, there was a lot this week. But at the same time, there wasn't. It was. Yeah. I, I know what you mean. Yeah, it, it, it's, it was. It felt like a lot of the stories that I was finding were like the same story, like the same yeah. players. Yep. But slightly different things happening. Yeah. Obviously, like we'll talk about with the court case, but the thing that I was absolutely stunned about, and I don't know, we might discuss this further, but if not, I just want to bring it up because I didn't hear it in our rundown. And that is the whole idea that, yeah, you updated your iPhone, didn't you, this week? Uh, no. Okay. So there's a new version out. Yep. All right. Of iOS. Yep. And what they've instituted in this is it's going to ask you if you want your data to be shared with other apps. Yep. So in particular, this is quite threatening to Facebook and the other apps that they own and control in Instagram. So now they determined that the opt-in percentage would be a lot higher than than it is. Like they they figured people would Go, hey, look, it's no big deal. We're gonna we're gonna share our data. Yeah, you can have it. I wanna see ads about XYZ that I'm browsing for. And it turns out the opt-out ratio 
they figured was going to be around 70%. Apparently it's 96% of people not wanting to share yep. their data. Yep. And one of the things that's come up as a result is now Facebook are popping up things in people's Facebook app saying, can you turn this on? Otherwise Facebook isn't going to remain free. Mm-hmm. Yep. So the mudslinging is happening with apps now in particular Facebook and Apple going at it. So I thought that that was just an amuse bush <laughs> yeah. for all the other stuff we're going to talk about with Apple. Yeah. It, it's it's kind of funny. Of right? Yeah. But, you know, the, 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 how many times have we been talking about lately where we are the product, right? And you're just seeing this more and more. Yeah. It's that slow realization, I guess, that, you know, how everybody was on Facebook and then everybody kind of got off Facebook because the joke was our parents were on Facebook. Yep. But now our parents, parents are starting to figure out that, uh-oh, we're the product. The kids yeah. were right after all. Yeah. Because <laughs> my dad continually says to me, I don't understand how I'm the product. I explained stuff to him today and he goes, oh, crap. <laughs> so, yep. yeah, it's it's been. And you know what else has been distracting this week? Not only such, such great news topics. But there's been a lot of content dropping on Netflix. Yeah, it's and been other crazy. platforms. Yeah, it's been crazy. Like, we, we got the Bad Batch, like we talked about last week. We've got Jupiter's Legacy. Yep. That's out on Netflix. And I got to say, you're right. It, it's crushing it. I'm trying to pace it. So I'm not binging it all in like a couple nights. So I'm on to the fourth episode now. And I, I went out and I bought the comics. Because I'm yep. like, damn, this is good. It's this really got good. Me. I love the comics. Yeah. Yeah. And I figured you were a big fan of the comics. So I picked up the entire run uh, off of Comixology. Yeah. And I don't know. I, I It's just resonating really well with me because it's like the boys, but it's not the boys. You know what I mean? It's not as violent or over the top. And it's so funny because I'm pitching it to my friends like, hey, guys, you got to watch this. You know, yeah. you guys ask me about what's good. Well, you got to watch this. And they all thought it was something about, you know more of a science fiction-y thing. They didn't realize it was a superhero thing. So I'm hoping Netflix step up and do the the press runs like they, they need to to get this thing talked about. I don't know what the buzz is. I haven't seen much in my social media about it. So I do yeah. know that I'm enjoying it, and it's good. Yep, exactly. Um, you're right. I haven't seen too much buzz, too much news, too much talk about it. But I like I, I've seen some. I've seen pretty positive reviews on it, um, and not like official reviewers, just like friends and whatnot. Um, but uh, yeah, yeah, I agree. Like it's interesting that you know it. I don't even know what it is, but like all these streaming services kind of hide these shows in, in a sense, right? Like, The Boys is a perfect yeah. example of this. That first season, unless you tried and knew about it and went to go find it yourself, you weren't going to hear about it. Come season two, yeah. it was everywhere, right? Like, you knew it was dropping. And I'm hoping, like, a similar path is taken with Jupiter's Legacy. Unfortunately, the scary part is, like, we talk about uh, Netflix's, you know, quick cancellation policies on shows but i'm hoping that they've opted in for a couple seasons i don't know the nature of the contract for the show yeah but i certainly hope that that they get to do the the realization of what they what stories they wanted to tell out of that um because it's it certainly the production value is high and i just happen to notice like there's a lot of stuff on netflix and i'm starting just so it's in my queue 
because I actually do want to go back and watch it. Like there's, there's cartoons, there's anime, there's uh, other shows, uh, smoke and steel or something like that. Like Mm -hmm. there's a whole bunch of stuff that's got, looks like high production value. And I guess this is like the result of the first year of pandemic where they put in and the show shows got interrupted for the filming and now they've completed them and they're just smashing in on Netflix now. So yeah, world, it's going to be an interesting time because we're all going to want to go outside yeah. and there's going to be some great TV that that's streaming. Yep. It'll kind of fill the time that you have when you're actually home to do something. Um, but yeah, so it's it's funny that you bring up the whole Netflix and cancellation things because they did actually cancel not one, not two, but three shows this week. Uh, the Irregulars, The Last Kingdom, and The Duchess. That's rolls with Netflix. Like, I used to get ma- mad about it, and there's no point in getting mad about it anymore. You got to take what you get and enjoy it for what it is and try to support it. And if it, and if it goes... Well, the only hope that you really have is that some other company decides that they see what you all saw and maybe picks it up or tries to pry it out of Netflix's hands yep. for, for a song, right? Like almost like what Amazon did with the expanse from sci fi. It's yep. it's it's a sad world that way and I feel bad for anybody who loses a show that's maybe near and dear to them. But the sheer amount of content is just jaw dropping on Netflix and, and even Amazon Prime. Like I'm watching Stowaway, which I think is on Netflix in the States, but it's on Prime up here and stuff like that. There's a lot of stuff that's just slamming into these streaming services that are shot obviously due to the pandemic because they're small sets. You know, being in outer space on a space station, it'd be a closed set and fairly easy a lot less a lot easier to produce right yeah whereas you know you got those mcu movies or shows and they're lots of people gathering in spaces and things like that it's got to be more challenging to shoot that kind of stuff during the pandemic so i see the new trend in sci-fi and in other shows where i'm like wow this is interesting like hmm so i i always get geeked about thinking about what led to the show, I guess, and, yeah. and what choices they made and how maybe the current state of the world influenced that. Yeah. But that's a big geeky part of me. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, Netflix did drop a huge trailer that got a lot of buzz uh, Thursday night, Friday, um, and that is Pretty Guardian, Sailor Moon, Eternal the Movie. Uh, so there's going to be two movies, the first one debuting June 3rd, um, and, you know, it's Sailor Moon. What more can we say? You know, it's going to be a hit. Oof. Is it going to be good? We'll see. But, um, you know, it is what it is. I, I'm i going to check that out. I might feel weird about it. Yeah. But I, I also feel like I could maybe get a little more, if it's good, if, if, if we'll have to check with Lauren Stone, if it passes the Sailor Moon sniff test. Mm-hmm. But... If she gives it a stamp of approval, I'll definitely use it as a means to get to understand that fan culture or, you know what I mean, like Sailor Moon a little bit better. It, it was something that I missed. So yep. I was a little bit old and it felt yeah. a little pervy to me to be watching it. So yeah, I'd be but curious though because it, it, there's it, passionate it, fans. Yeah, it's arguably what brought back 
anime in the mid 90s you know after the original brush of anime with like gotcha man and uh an astro boy and then you had things like uh, macross you know then it kind of just went stale mm-hmm. and then sailor moon is what really brought it back to the mainstream and then here we are today right yeah and there's also that whole thing especially when you watch the toys that made us yes and things like that where they took a lot of japanese shows cartoons and they reimagined them and revoiced them for an american audience and just did it as a product placement thing yep. g-force was always a reminder of that to me yeah. when i was a kid it was the animation style was unmistakable what it was but the content didn't always make sense it just felt like it was trying to sell something to me yeah i'll be honest too like robotech almost felt that way for a long time but yeah. That's only because of the way that Robotech was airing here in Canada. Because for me, the only way to access it was CHCH, which is out of Hamilton. They were the local cable provider that was broadcasting it, and they weren't broadcasting it in order. Mm. So it was hella confusing for me when I'd tune in one day and I'd see, like, I'd see a week's worth of uh, 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 season three, you know, the stuff with Scott and all that, and the motorbikes. And and be like geeked about that that these transforming and this motorbike is becoming his like suit yeah. of armor, and then you go to the second generation and you're like, what? Yeah, she's the daughter of. And then you go to first generation for another week. So it was all confusing as crap to me. I was really into the third generation. Yeah, I really liked the Scott storyline and whatnot. And I actually still have a lot of the toys. Nice. Those weird like Zentradi. Uh, uh, crab-like things. I have Scott on the motorcycle. Everything like that. So you can transform. I always wanted the toy that would transform around Scott and become part of his armor. Yeah. But I never got that. But it was still cool. I really liked it with the chunky legs and the armor. All that stuff was really geeky to me because it reminded me of Stormtroopers except being different, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, they were weird toys, man. I'm telling you, I have Lisa. I have all of them in like action figure form. Very nice. Somewhere. Uh, yeah. No, that's really cool. I don't think Juan and I had any leftover. I don't think so. We may have had like some minor ones, but nothing nothing major there. Um, so I think on Friday you got some pretty good news in the land of the Muppets. Oh, yeah, yeah. We got, uh, we got that notification. It was a bit left field. Yeah. But... Uh, it turns out, like, for me, it was a neat announcement because I'm Gonzo is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Same here. So it was using him, Dave Golez, or, you know, I don't know who's voicing him now. But I just loved that whole reveal and everything like that, um, that they're going to be bringing out a, um, a Halloween special this year. Mm-hmm. So I'm excited about it. But, I, you know, there's a little bit of pinch of, of cringe, too, because I hope that they get it right. I thought it's, Muppets now, like we discussed. Like I said, the message that I mess. sent you, right? Like, I was, I'm a little nervous just because Muppets now, for me, was such a fail that I, I'm really hoping that this turns it around. You know, like, basically since the relaunch, and I'm not counting the ABC show because I still have yet to watch it, right? But everything that I've watched from the, the, um, the movies, the two movies, you know, the first one being fantastic, and then the second one just yes. being just horrendous. You know, and then you had the Muppets the now. The second one, I don't know if I've actually sat through the second one. It was so bad. Yeah. Like, yeah. I 
I was so geeked when they picked it up at the beginning and they were carrying the song from the first one. Like they were making it seem like it's one continuous episode. Yeah. And I was just like, oh, this is awesome. I am so happy right now. And then it just went downhill so fast. Yeah. It was terrible. It's crazy because that first movie was just so good. Like the reboot. I'm so glad you say that because I I see Muppet fans didn't embrace it that much. And I'm like, I, I just genuinely feel like there's this Jason Seagal thread that I like to pull on sometimes. Because it started off for me being noticed with um, that one he did, uh, 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 Forgetting Sarah Marshall. Marshall. Yep. And it involved puppets. Yep. And I'm like, that's a part of his DNA. Yes. And I just think that he basically put the entire franchise of the Muppets on his back for that movie. And I, I can't get away with the idea that it hit on so many levels with its cameos, with its music, and with its authenticity to the Muppets, right? To go back to the theater and tell a story. And I I, I was in tears. I, I still have a difficult emotional time watching it because I feel like it just carried the Muppets to where they needed to be. It essentially... And then it went downhill. <laughs> yeah, it, it essentially reintroduced the new generation to the Muppets, right? And what made the Muppets special... Um, and I think it really did a great job of capturing that. And that's, that's all Jason Siegel, in my opinion. Like that was 100% yeah. him, you know, everything yeah, about that. Movie I, I get felt the same like feeling. Him. Yeah. And I think that's maybe our, our love of how I met your mother, which is a Jason Seagal. Like that is his kind of movie or show. He played such a big role in it where I'm like, I just tapped into that and I thought, holy crap, this is just fantastic movie. This is just a fantastic reboot of the Muppets. Yeah. And yeah, it all went to crap. Like Steve Whitmire basically got fired after that shortly after. I guess it mostly got blamed on the ABC fiasco of that Muppets show and whatnot about his attitude towards Kermit and yeah. making Kermit a little too gritty yeah. and stuff like that. But I'm like, I kind of enjoyed that part of Kermit because Kermit, you know what? Today is Kermit's birthday. He's 66 years old today. And I just thought, you know what? That's a great thing is that Kermit evolved. And it wasn't seen that way from, from I guess, yeah. the people at Disney or the Hensons. But, yeah, you know, hopefully this, this Halloween special delivers uh, entertainment. That's all I can ask for at this point. It's, um, it is what it is. Like, I am also kind of looking forward to seeing what's being done with the Fraggles yes. out of Apple now because they own the Fraggles and they are launching a new show. They're filming it in Calgary. Yeah. So in Calgary. Yeah. 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 So know, um, Muppets right? Haunted Everything Mansion there. comes out sometime this fall. I'm assuming in the October timeframe, but uh, we'll see. There's no exact. Well, I, I think it's going to be like, yeah, I think it's going to be pretty much bang on on Halloween or just before because they're saying that it's six months to Halloween. So yeah. Just, I think they've had this thing in the can for a little bit. Yep. They just couldn't get it out last year due to the pandemic, but I guess they finished shooting and they've actually used, um, I think they said that they were using one of their theme parks or something to film it in. Haunted Mansion from some film theme park. So I guess in the COVID shutdown, they've been doing production. Yeah. Makes sense, right? Might as well do yeah. something. Well, if you, can. you got these properties. May as well do something with it and sell 
Yeah. That property. Yeah, it's Just kind like of a way talking of, about... of, of, of reinvigorating that ride, right? Yeah, and, and it's just like we were talking about on our May the 4th special about the lightsabers. They're only going to be available, like not for sale. They're only going to be usable on the cruise ships. So I've been doing a little more research, and they're going to be things that the passengers get to use while they're cosplaying on the cruise ships. So these things are going to be under a pretty tight, you know, lock and key you're gonna have to turn your lightsaber back in at the end for servicing and whatnot so i don't know what if if any retail plans exist for these items maybe they do but they're going to be because apparently on this cruise ship you have to be in character that's part of the stipulation of being on the cruise ship you have to be in star wars universe character interesting the whole time i like that yeah so yeah because they're gonna set up experiences right they're gonna have like Imperial raids and things like that. And these things are hella expensive. They haven't even launched yet, but I know a couple of people that were like talking to me about going on it and man, oh man, it wasn't, it wasn't cheap, but yeah. I applaud Disney for taking a chance on it. Right. Like, and again, they need to do something right to get to regenerate that business because a lot of their businesses have taken a huge hit over the past year. Yeah. Well, massive. Right. And even, even Disney Plus operates out of the negatives, but it's just improving at a better rate as it's the only product. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So it's losing less money than they projected. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's it's kind of funny when you see that as a measure of success. Success, We're losing less than we anticipated. And I know, I know if Tyler were here, he'd be Googling some kind of statistic. That would make me into a total ass hat, and probably say, "Oh no, they actually made money," and he's probably right. But I'm just saying, it's uh, it, it's it's to me, it's just like they're either making more money than they thought off of Disney Plus, or they're losing less. Yep. It's it's going to be one or the other. So. You know who's losing money today? Who? People who oh, invested Dogecoin. in Dogecoin. <laughs> so funny man we have to talk about did you watch the episode god no i i just cannot stand <laughs> that man like it <laughs> amazes me how people like his pr people are fantastic at making him seem like he's not a james bond villain but he is <laughs> i had to watch it just for this year uh pop culture phenomenon that it was because yeah. it's been all over my social feeds. There's been controversial articles being posted everywhere by cast members. I was curious to see what the reaction was going to be. And to be honest, it the 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 monologue was a lot of cringe for me. The yeah. monologue, I thought, oh shit, we are in for it. Like w this is not going to end well. And Miley Cyrus was out there doing a really weird thing for Mother's Day. I get it. People need to celebrate. Yep. So what we are talking about is Elon Musk's appearance on SNL, just in case he didn't clue in. Yeah, yeah. Sorry, we should have cleared that up. So Elon did make a statement in the monologue that he's the first guy with Asperger's to host the show, which we now know is actually factually wrong. He probably should have ran that by because Dan Aykroyd has hosted the show along with being on the show many, many yep. times as a actor and he's got asperger's as well but this is elon so, this is right there that is core elon musk look yeah. how great i am look you know i'm uh, doing this against all odds like fuck you sit down 
Yeah, but you know what? The skits weren't bad. He actually did way better than I thought at getting pulling them off. He did a, a Wario skit where I'm like, man, dude, dude was kind of funny. I, and I know that that's a credit not to him. That's a credit to Saturday Night Live writer. Mm. All right. And the other performers that are supporting him and probably giving him a lot of behind the scenes feedback about how to do these things. Yeah. So I'm going to recognize it as that and not pay tribute to the James Bond supervillain. But it wasn't as bad as I thought it would be. It's not the greatest episode of Saturday Night Live, but it wasn't the worst by any stretch for me, anyhow. Yeah. But what's interesting. He took a crap on Dogecoin. (laughs) Exactly. So. That's what I want to talk about. Essentially, they called it a hustle. And for someone who's been like really promoting cryptocurrency as the future, like, you know, he calls traditional currency sleeper, stupid investments. So he's put a lot of money in cryptocurrency and he calls it a hustle. So Dogecoin was quoted as low as 0.416 on the crypto exchange. Uh, Binance, it was down 36% from levels around 0.65 cents um, or 65 cents before the show. Uh, And then today it was trading at around 0.569. Yeah, it lost about 20 points, right? So, but here's, here's the thing. People expected him to go on and make the money last night. That's what the real expectation was, is that people thought that he was going to go on and do, like, essentially a paid advertisement for Dogecoin. And just, you know, like he tweets an emoji of a rocket. To the moon, baby! To the moon! With Doge. And guess what? He made, he he did parody of it. Yeah. I can't remember the exact thing. I just remember thinking that, oh, that wasn't, uh, that wasn't as shining a Dogecoin reference as I thought he would be giving but i think he's being very careful right now because he knows he's being watched by everybody about what he says and what he does not only on social media but this being the most live viral media that you could do you know live comedy tv he probably made the choice to not look like a cheerleader but goodness knows tomorrow on twitter he could be pumping it back up again i don't know But it just, it's, you know, for me, that's just goes to show you how volatile cryptocurrency is, right? Like, it's just not stable. Like, the fact that, and, and I understand that any, any investment, any stock can be like this. But it's just, it's just, to me, it's just insane that just because of what one person is saying or not saying, doing or not doing, it's undervaluing and people are losing a shit ton of money. Yeah, uh, just here's here's a funny thing. I was talking to my dad about this. My friend at work, when he was the IT head of IT at his small, you know, mid-sized company, was mining Dogecoin back in the day. Mm-hmm. Okay, we'll say like three, three or four years ago when it first started out. Him and a bunch of guys at work just left their computers on to to mine it. All right, and they got to get they got enough together that. They found it and they realized that it's worth something now. So they divided it by the four guys that did it. So my friend got $780 worth of Dogecoin in his in his crypto bank. So he ended up cashing out on it because he just he needed the money due to a tax bill. 
And I'm thinking he's a smart guy because I was telling him, hang on to it because I don't know what the hell Elon's going to do. <laughs> and, you know, it just tells you how real it is for people. Yeah. Like if I know a guy who's got like essentially a thousand bucks in Dogecoin and I'm telling him he's nuts for selling it and it goes down 20 points in one day due to like Saturday Night Live. What kind of world are we living in? <laughs> yeah, it's that's what I mean. Like, it's just so weird. Um, the whole crypto thing, like, it's... As someone who loves technology, I'm so fascinated by it. But as someone who, you know, lives in this world, it is a scary, scary thing. Oh, you know what's really scary related to this? Is I watched the Raptors game last night, and TSN had a woman on who's apparently a digital sports expert and they were talking about these packs of cards yep top these shot virtual cards yeah that the nba NFTs. are selling yep they're, NFTs. And they're full of nfts yeah and if you get some of these nfts you could sell them for like two three hundred thousand dollars yep because you'd own the actual moment when you know lebron james does x or whatever and i'm just like they or kept Kawhi on Leonard asking shot, the whole, you know, the playoff shot. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. these top shots are insane. Yeah, and and like you need to get an American bank account with three thousand USD dollars in it in order to buy these packs. Yep. There's all kinds of rules and stipulations about how it's governed. And the funny thing was, is the whole staff on TSN were kept on asking her, "What's an NFT? Why do I want it?" And all she could tell them was, well, you'd, you're collecting something. It's just like collecting a Wayne Gretzky rookie card. You can look at a picture of it all you want, but you actually want to have it. And that's what these NFTs are basically selling you. But they're like, yeah, but you still have to watch it on your phone. There's no physical NFT. So what's yeah. the point, right? Yeah, well, they couldn't get past that. It was so funny. But this I'm is like, the issue with TSN. Wow. You know that I have a severe issue with TSN. Um, you know, so you have yeah, these fair enough these old dogs on TSN uh, who don't know what an NFT is, and that's fine. But you know, they don't make it a point to learn it when someone is trying to explain it to them. Um, and then you know, on the flip side, on the Rogers side, on Sportsnet, on Tim and Friends, they actually did an unveiling of a pack of Top Shots. Yeah, it's it's the choice to go with it and or fight it. Yeah. Right. And, and they that's went something that TSN is famous for. Look at the ongoing battle that yep. we as soccer people have had with TSN and kind of the attitude towards it. Yep. They were very hesitant to embrace it. They still haven't. Even when they pick it up, they put other stuff on ahead of it. That's it's the part that the gets to me. Choice. It's the fact that they have the exclusive TFC content contract and it they shit all over it. Yeah, I'll give them credit this year. They're putting it on the CTV channel. Yeah. But that's only because of, you know, they just want eyeballs if they can get them. It's just a ratings ploy. Well, but the, it, the problem is, is that they don't report on TFC anywhere. Well, here's the thing, stuff. Like, CTV, what do they air on Saturday afternoons? Nothing. So this is a win-win nothing. for them. Yeah, but they still don't report it on the news. Like, it, it's so annoying. Yeah, so that's that. Um, all right, so we're going to move on. We're going to be talking now about Discord. A few months ago, we were talking about the potential purchase of Discord by Microsoft. Well, that 
felt through over the weekend, last weekend, after we recorded, and then it was announced that Sony and Discord are in a partnership. Crazy stuff. Like, I don't know about you, but I was getting really down about the idea that Discord was going to be folded in. You weren't getting down. You were angry. Old man Phil took over. Yeah. I I wasn't fond of it. You kind of upsold me on it. Here's the question. Do you think Sony's any better? Oh, no. Not at all. (laughs) I just find it's fascinating to see what's happening because, to me, with this move, Sony put in a bunch of money and are looking at possibly integrating Discord into their ecosystem as far as the uh, the platform, the PlayStation. But I don't think Sony are getting any ownership. Discord is chosen to do what Discord's going to do. They're going to try and become a private company or go public. Sorry, uh, go public on the stock exchange and, you know, issue shares and and basically thrive as what it is that we know today and just have a partnership with Sony. Yeah, so here's 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 what happened, essentially. Um, the rumors coming around was that Microsoft was putting in a bid of $10 billion for Discord. For those of you who don't know what Discord is, it's a communication um, interface. It's what we use to record this show. It's mainly used for gamers on computer and systems and whatnot. But, you know, it's it's very good because it gives you um, lossless sound. So it's it's very good overall for communication. Um, and it's, you know, obviously just like Zoom and Teams and everything. Last year, in the past year, you know, it's the, the features to make it more consumer friendly have been huge. So Microsoft puts in a bid for $10 billion. But, you know, for this isn't the first time that this has happened. Discord essentially says no. Discord, as Phil mentioned, does have plans to go public. Um, and it's interesting that of all companies to step in, it's Sony. So what yeah. Sony did is that they have invested an unknown amount, but they will have a, um, a, what do you call it? A, um, a part minority stake, a, um, a minority stake. Yeah. Um, you know, so yeah. that's that. So it's basically their series H round of funding. So, you know, it just means that they're getting closer and closer to getting to going public. Right. And the, interesting part here is that the first thing that sony essentially said was it's going to be integrated into our playstation network you see and this is where i get hopeful because the playstation in in, you know what the difference maker for me was playstation 3 versus xbox 360 it was that xbox 360 had voice chat all right, and the PlayStation 3 had no capability of doing voice chat. Yeah. That was one of the big hampers on the PlayStation. So when I would sit down to game, I could game with my friends. I sold them Xbox Live yearly subscriptions so we could all talk and game. Because what we were doing before that was using Skype and playing World of Warcraft so we could talk to each other. We thought that we were being smart, right? And then lo and behold, Microsoft introduces this feature sony get hard done by because that hurt them in that race and then sony did a half decent job the playstation 4 chat isn't bad but 
I gotta say, I'm hopeful that it's going to get better with Discord behind it. That that would be my hope. Yeah. Because the Xbox one right now, I gamed on it last night with some friends, and it's yeah. I think the application sometimes really makes the experience good or bad. So I'm just gonna say like Forza Horizon Four is sometimes a horribly stupid game with how it handles party chat and whatnot. But it works, right? And it's becoming a big part of our everyday lives with COVID. Like you mentioned about Zoom and and Teams and Discord. I'm always shocked with considering I didn't know really what Discord was a year ago because I just wasn't in the PC gaming space. I've gotten it, learned it, learned to love it. And I'm constantly surprised at how many of our guests use it as a preferred platform as well. Yep. It's interesting because for this show, I find that everyone uses Discord. For my wrestling show, it's all Skype still. So it just goes to show you kind of like the demographic, right? Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's true because, you know, Skype is, is effective, but Skype feels dated now. I, I About a year ago, I would have been like, what, Skype? No, never. And then I'm like using Teams and I'm like seeing the advantages in that. Well, the investment clearly has gone into teams right yeah and and you know microsoft do a lot of stuff with teams and i've read articles about it so this is you know me putting on the conspiracy hat but you got to be careful because corporations use teams to monitor a lot of employee employee engagement Mm -hmm. because the more they channel everything through teams the more active they can see how you're you're managing your work day and Mm -hmm. things like that they can see what messages are going by who's doing the voice chats, email integration, all this stuff, it all knits together. Yep. So good metrics uh, versus bad metrics, right? Exactly. So speaking of Yeah, good for them. Yeah, so that's Microsoft, that's Sony, that's Discord. We'll see what ends up happening. You know who else has been having a very interesting week? Who is that? Apple. Oh. <laughs> You know, so yeah, <laughs> I believe the timing of this OS release was such controversial um, data capturing potential was horrible. <laughs> Whoever decided to put this release on the week, you know, of their huge antitrust case against Epic. Um, no bueno, <laughs> because right now, like Epic looks so positive like they they've gone in guns a blazing as well right like epic is basically like saying ourselves and other companies can't adhere to this 30 percent that apple wants from us why do they need this 30 percent when we're bringing in all the business for apple so you know it's it's been crazy and here's the thing We've talked about this in the past. We've seen on the Senate floor how certain people just don't know shit about technology. And I think the world was not ready for this court case because now they're seeing just how cutthroat, just how deep the rabbit hole, down the rabbit hole, the video game industry is. It's, It's crazy because this is what's key for me. In all of this, not only that realization, you are 100% correct, but as well, all the documents that are filtering through about the backdoor deals that have been given and done in the industry to Netflix and Sony's dealings 
with Fortnite and Epic in particular and how Sony said, well, there's no cross-platform play because it's too complex. But really, it was a negotiation tactic in order to get money and yep. basically force Epic into playing their game. And it everybody looks bad in this. Everybody. Well, the entire If you thought industry. your corporation... Yeah. If you thought your corporation was your champion, it's not. Yeah. <laughs> the entire industry is looking so fucked right now to the point where you know even i'm a little surprised at some of the things coming out like for example the whole nintendo and not and nintendo partners not being able to do business with the yakuza like what the hell (laughs) it's it's nuts man it's nuts because in this case you know it's come forward that netflix apparently worked out a deal of a lesser percentage of a take with apple directly and Epic are now holding that up, screaming bloody murder, going, how come we don't get this deal? How come we're not being negotiated with? When (laughs) Apple publicly in August said, we do not make backroom deals with anyone. (laughs) And it's just so funny, too. Like you say, and then here they are bringing out an iOS release that's basically cutting Facebook out of the pie. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And I'm just like... Did you see this Walmart document that was um, presented? No. (laughs) So a part of the um, Epic v. Apple court case, uh, they, Epic at one point, you know, to prove that they are willing to play nice with people, they presented some documents from Walmart and saying, look, we know how to play nice with people because we were going to be involved in this. And it was a Walmart cloud gaming service. <laughs> yeah, Walmart cloud gaming service. Um, so the service known as Project Storm was designed to be an open ecosystem that allowed users to stream from the cloud or download games to a Windows PC and play locally. Documents attached to the email thread show that Walmart had been pitching the system to publishers such as Epic and was planned to support third-party launchers such as Steam, Uplay, Epic Game Store, Origin, Battle.net, and Bethesda Launcher. What don't Walmart try to get into? Like, seriously, what? It, it's that That's the part that blows me away more than anything. Yeah. So it's, it's nuts, man. Yeah, it's it's absolutely crazy. So I'm we're keeping an eye on it. We'll report. Yeah, and there's going to be bombshells each week. There's going to be more and more bombshells as as this stuff gets put out there and gets consumed by the media and by regular people. It's you know these these companies have slanted the entire thing into their their pockets, and it, yep. it's so funny too because. They they refuse. Epic refuses to deal with Google Stadia. Yep. Because that's something that Fortnite isn't on, and you'd think that that would be the biggest no brainer of all time. And it's because they can't come to terms. They can't play nice in the sandbox with Google about who's going to get revenue cuts. Interesting. So, yeah, there's a lot of documentation that got revealed about that and about Epic's. Like nobody looks good in this. There's no. like the kids who were who were sitting there going, "Oh, yay, epic!" They look like idiots. We the, the we talked about this that 
epic is ballsy because you know unless they're the cleanest corporate the first honest corporation in this world you know <laughs> this everyone is going to look bad yeah and it and it's a blood bath like it, it's not it's not disappointing at all yeah from ringside <laughs> uh, yeah, so it's... i i was actually to be honest i avoided all news about it all week and then last night i was simply overwhelmed when i hit my news sources and was like googling the more i heard and the more i saw the more i was googling legit articles and going are you serious yeah like this like this should be on you know what every day you watch the news and there's obviously covid 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 and everything else the next headline after our public health and and safety should be about this kind of garbage yeah like this 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 is a worrisome thing and and then just the whole thing that we talked about last week as well with the game packs and all that now it's old news for us but it's actually starting to hit out there in the regular news cycles hey look our kids money and our kids minds are being played with as if like with these packs of cards and these digital fleece schemes that are basically loot boxes like the, loot boxes like it, it's it's no different than going to casino rama and pulling on a a, a machine like on on a a, a gambling slot. machine yep. like it, it's a slot machine yeah it's ridiculous, man. It's ridiculous. It's crazy to me because, like, you know, everyone screams and yells at EA and and whatnot about their loot boxes. But then you have the NBA, WWE, and other people doing digital um, mm-hmm. trading cards now. And no one it, – it, you know what it is, Phil? No one understands what it is. No one understands what's yeah. actually going on. That's the thing that's happening, right? It's They're bypassing legislators. They're outsmarting – parents you've got the parents who are just relating back to our previous comments are like tsn are just like oh get off my lawn i don't want your digital bullshit here and the problem is is that the kids are eating it up it's creating unhealthy behaviors it's creating psychological conditions and on top of it all being in a pandemic and being on lockdown is further pumping that up yeah Right, because people are stuck inside with maybe some extra money or time, and they're just blew, blowing through stuff. And okay, I I can see the argument and the joke about the NFT being something that's not actually there; it's not tangible. But I can also see the argument about the collector, right, wanting it. Yeah, and that's the collector part is what really is the sickness for us all. When we go overboard or when we do that stuff to excess, that's the worrisome part. And this is fueling that behavior. And we're just willingly putting our heads in the sand like ostriches, right? Yep. And that's from the legislators, and that's from the parents, and that's from the older generation. The issue Look, that you know, I have with I this. I don't see it. It's not The there. issue that I have with this, yeah. Phil, and I'm going to extend your thought. And it's the fact that, as you just said, we have our heads in the sand, and then it's too late. And we have to backtrack so much. And things are so far ahead that we're like, where do we start actually doing something about this? And I'm not saying we need yeah. to rewrite laws to to stop this from happening, but you know we're 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 in a space right now where technology can be and is being used in such a way to manipulate people at such a very young age, and kind of like you know let's talk about these loot boxes, right? It's not normal. 
this isn't normal. Yep. It's not right. It's no different than gambling. And, and we have well, 10, 11, 12-year-olds taking part in this, getting obsessed, obsessed with this, you know, spending thousands you, of their parents' dollars. If you think about our ancient DNA, all right, I'm going to get really metaphysical here. But you think about our ancient DNA, life didn't change for a very long time, right? We were hunter-gatherers. We lived, we figured out how to farm. Basically, people didn't really leave their little town or region. They inherited their father's land or their parents' land. They continued to work it. They kept mouths fed. They looked out for the community. And then all of a sudden, the Industrial Revolution comes along, right? And and basically, you've got a lot of technology happening really fast. You've got horse and buggy going away. You've got people living in larger cities. You've got vehicles. You've got food production issues. You've got all this stuff, right? Life changed. Our food changed. Everything changed. And this is further evolution of that, the speed of which is doubling all the yeah. time, right? And I'm not saying we can't go with it, but I am saying exactly what you're talking about. It gets out of control. And we're not doing a good enough job of monitoring what's healthy and what's unhealthy and identifying yeah. it. It really comes down to being simple about it. Like, a few years ago, would you believe that there's a Tesla out there that's going to be self-driving and people are going to be getting into accidents because of these self-driving cars? Because obviously my immediate thought was always growing up or whatever when I thought about this kind of idea. I thought that we'd have a structured grid system that was compliant so that everybody could play in the sandbox technology-wise. But no, instead we're just throwing cameras and AI into these cars and we're making decisions about it and it's disrupting all kinds of industry like the insurance industry, the car industry, everything. And I don't know that it's all good sometimes. Like it's progress for sure, but this is like the digital version of that and it's not recognized by politicians or legislators. Yep. And that's scary. Yep. 100% for old man scary. Phil. Well, here's here's that here's another thing and I I was literally having this conversation with someone uh, like two or three weeks ago, and I was telling her, it's like, what's scary is just the sheer number of satellites that we have in space right now, to the point where Earth essentially has an artificial ring around it of satellites. Yep. You know? Yep. And, um, you know, we have to think about it. How do we get up there? What happens when we're up there? Um, you know, and then you have the possibility of space junk. Well, guess what happened? You know, you as we all saw earlier in the week and throughout <laughs> this week, the Chinese rocket debris literally crashes and plummets into Earth. Like, if there's a perfect way to start an international incident, this is it right here. But in my opinion, as interesting of a story this is, is just on the premise that you have literally garbage hurling from space coming down to Earth. You have to, let's expand on this, Phil. What what are we gonna do about all this? Like, you know, like, are we going to have to have like a uh, a garbage man literally like up in space collecting this shit? What was it? The Netflix movie uh, Space Sweepers. Yeah, like that was the premise for them was to clean the Earth's atmosphere of all this junk that was orbiting it and, and making the space unlivable. Right? Like they were going out and salvaging. But yeah, you're right. And, like, imagine this, okay? You've got your ring of, of SpaceX internet satellites 
that's going to be smothering the planet. Yep. I don't know exactly what altitude they're at, but let's say you pop a rocket up, you're China, you pop a rocket up, and then that rocket comes down and knocks out the internet for, oh, I don't know, half of the U.S. Yep. You know? It's like there's all kinds of weird crap that could go wrong depending on the heights of orbits and things like that. And when I see countries that are going out like China and just kind of saying, oh, well, well, we wanted to put a space station up, so we did that. But, you know, who needs to think about landing that rocket? We don't care. We can make more rockets. You know, I will say with SpaceX, at least they're sticking with the NASA idea of recovering and that's the way that you get costs down for space travel, right? Is you have to recover the stuff and reuse it. It's like the space shuttle. There was like seven space shuttles, right? And they just reused them until one blew up. But, you know, that's what you do is you have to reuse and check and double check and all that kind of stuff. I'm constantly amazed at SpaceX launching shut like these rockets up. And it's like, well, that fuselage has been used nine times and that, yeah. that capsule has been used 10 or 17 times. And this is a record and things like that. I'm like quietly applauding it going, you know what? It's great. It's great theoretical technology here. It's a great example of, of responsible use. Maybe not on every single front. Like we're talking about with Elon Musk being the bond villain, but, I do respect the the crap out of the idea because when you see the story on the other end, like you're talking about, I don't know how that happens in this world. I don't know how China decides to send up 12 tons of rocket and then be like, eh, mm-hmm. it's going to crash somewhere. This is going to come down. We think it's going to burn up. Mia culpa, right? Like it's ridiculous. <laughs> it's it actually like was hurting my brain this week when it started getting reported on CBC. So this goes back to what we were saying about you know technology just doing what and countries and people and corporations doing anything they want with zero backlash until something like this happens. And then we have to halt, move back and actually see things for what they are and what's happening. And oftentimes it's too late to, you know, to fix things and make things right. Yep. Uh, it's, it's, it's amazing to me. It just tells me that the Sokovia Accords will never happen. <laughs> <laughs> you could have the Hulk, you could have Iron Man, you could have all the superhero chaos you want in New York City and in fictional places, but there will be no attempt by the government to regulate that crap because they can't even regulate space. Yep. Like, come on. <laughs> Yeah, it's ridiculous. Speaking of regulations and contracts, here's an interesting one. And the story itself, it's kind of, it's interesting, but I think that the repercussions that this is going to have on contracts over the next few years, especially as streaming services and whatnot, um, the usage of streaming services increases, it'll be interesting to see what happens with these contracts. So what am I talking about? I am talking about A Quiet Place Part 2, the star and director. Um, So... Emily Blunt and writer-director John Krasinski reportedly are seeking additional compensation from Paramount Pictures due to how the sequel's theatrical run has been impacted by both the coronavirus pandemic and the rollout of the studio's new streaming service, Paramount+. Plus. So according to Bloomberg, Krasinski and Blunt, who are married, each have contracts on the film that pays them based on the film's box office performance now what's happened is that the original run of the movie was supposed to be from 90 days it's was supposed to be for 90 days now it is 
cut in half to only 40, 45 days. So it'll be released on May 28th, and 45 days later, it's going to be on Paramount Plus. So having your contract directly tied to theatrical performance when 50% of the theatrical release has been cut, kind of interesting. What do you think, Phil? Yeah, and this this is the kind of stuff that we were talking about a lot with Disney's choices to move uh, Black Widow into streaming realm, um, Mulan, all that kind of stuff, because they had to basically pay off. They, I know that they're they're really bad as far as Alan Dean Foster goes in his legacy, so I'm not trying to champion Disney here, but my understanding is is that Disney and Warner Brothers, when they started restructuring the deals to move stuff onto streaming directly, were going through the 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 contracts and basically like for Wonder Woman, it's theorized because it's never confirmed, but it's theorized that they paid Gail Gadot and everybody else who needed a payout from the theatrical release, they paid out the maximum in the contract. Yeah. That's what the prevailing thinking is, is that they said, oh, look, we need content. We're going to give you this because this is, you had no idea when, when these contracts were made. So here's your money. Here's a dump truck full of cash. And we're just going to take this product and do what, what we want with it. And everybody was like, okay, that's great. But now we're seeing it on a different level. We're seeing it with other studios and they're not necessarily being as straightforward with their actors or they're, they're, they're holding them to the contracts and, and trying to make out with it. It basically doesn't end well because yep. I think that the people who are involved in the production of A Quiet Place 2 will choose not to do business with those production companies anymore. And they're going to move their stuff to maybe an HBO or, or the, you know, Warner Brothers type uh, house and start making under that brand. Just like with, uh, you know, your your friend with who makes Tenet decided, you know what? I'm kind of done with Warner Brothers because of what they did with my movie. Yeah. So... Too bad I, I think there's just going to be a lot of crap. Good. But yeah, no. Yeah, I know. Um, but you're right. Like it's it, it, like for me, it's 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 interesting to see what these um, production companies are actually doing, what these studios are doing, um, and you know, I, I'm hoping for the best. Like you know, I know we're talking about millionaires, but you know, this sets precedence for yeah. a lot of other people. Yeah, and you know, it, one of the original movies and the producers that really got upset at Warner Brothers and kind of got Warner Brothers to walk back on this because they were acting in bad faith, apparently. I'm going on rumors again, but that was with uh, Villanova and, and Dune, Yeah, right? Because that was going to be a digital release, and then they walked it back and they said, no, we're going to do a theatrical because I don't know that they went in with as good a faith contract negotiation as they did with wonder woman yeah so the rumor was is that those deals were getting sickeningly um worse for the contract holders they were just being like oh well we'll pay you this percentage oh well we'll pay you this percentage now and we're going to give you an opportunity to get your the full percentage based off of these metrics now and things like that and it's changing contracts and trying to do it on the fly and I guess people got a little bit perturbed and were like, huh, it may have worked for other people, but it's not sitting well with us. Yeah. So that's why you saw a lot of the changes that you did. Yep. It's it, it's a thing, man. It's a thing. Like, I know a lot of people won't care. They just go, hey, look, can I get the movie or not? Can I get to see it in the theater or not? Can I get it on 
on even a torrent site or not, right? And yeah, it's there's a lot of other stuff too. And the thing is, is that the harder it is for these people to make the movies means it's going to be harder for you to get the content. Yep, exactly. So yeah, so that's pretty attention. much it. So, you know, we'll be following up. We'll see what happens. But, it, you know, I just wanted to bring this up because it is something that we talked about. And, you know, this is going to change how contracts are written. And we're going to see kind of what the studios think is fair, um, you know, for, for essentially <laughs> cutting a release in half. I'll guarantee you what they think is fair is oh, whatever's know. fair for their bank account. Of course. Of course. <laughs> exactly. It's been that kind of week for corporations. <laughs> I know, right? All right. So we are going to t- move on and talk about video games because apparently that's all we do. Um, so Stadia, always news about Stadia. So their head of product has left Google. Um, so John Justice was also the VP of Stadia. Yeah. Yeah. He, uh, I feel bad. I haven't seen Grace Yang talking about it on Twitter much. That would be her boss. Yeah. <laughs> the public, the public relations end of it. But I, you know what? People are going to go out and get other jobs. Like I, I really don't read much into it at all. <laughs> it wasn't anything that. You know, again, articles are somewhat written that are basically saying the sky is falling yeah, of course. on Stadia. And I don't know about you guys, but Resident Evil Village was out this week on Stadia and it seemed to do exceptionally well. It's outperforming, again, uh, outperforming a lot of the console versions. There's less bugs. There's a, a, a more enjoyable playing, uh, less crashing, all that kind of stuff with Village. And... You know, I've got a free hour of village. I'm never going to use it because it scares the crap out of me. But I think Stadia is fine. And I think Stadia is probably thriving at this point because they're selling out of those, the the controllers and the, the, um, the uh, ultra Chromecast ultra yep. unit. They're selling those like hotcakes because they're giving them away with village, but they've had mountains of them. And now... Like you couldn't get that deal in Canada, like we talked about when you buy Village, you couldn't get the the Chromecast starter kit because they sold out of it with Cyberpunk. So it's a good place to be. I think yeah. I think Google are changing their strategy just like we all predicted and going after those games. And um yeah, you know, it was a nice little May the fourth treat to get Jedi Fallen Order for free on it. I yeah. feel bad for buying it and finishing it on Stadia. <laughs> Yeah, that's the only thing that I could complain about with Stadia is like when you buy a game, and then the next month it's just free. You're like, oh damn. Yeah, but I think unfortunately that's going to happen more and more as PS Now and as Game Pass kind of do this, right? Mm-hmm. It's definitely affected any purchasing schedules I have with Xbox now. I I literally have this voice in my head that goes, maybe it'll come on Game Pass soon, <laughs> and I'm like, hmm. Yeah, I'll just go play Outriders. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's I'm biting back a lot on purchases now. Like even Reneural, I'm like, I really want to play it, but I'm waiting for it to become a greatest hit or a sale, a fire sale. <laughs> I'm, yeah. I'm, I'm getting cheap in my old age now. I, here's the books. thing for me. I just want to play a finished game. And... 
you know, the, yeah. the bar has been set that because of DLCs, because of bugs, because of whatever reason, games aren't complete until much later. Yep, that's a fair comment. And um, I will say, on a, a since we're talking about video games, something I realized this week, I'm very close to getting a platinum in Dirt 5. <laughs> Jesus. I'm like, wow, I'm I'm playing the crap out of that game. I don't know if you see me online, Boris, but I kind of it's 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 addictive. Yep. I got to say, I'm I'm chasing I'm chasing the dragon. I'm I'm trying to get that platinum now. I'm like, okay, this is a new challenge. What the hell is happening with me? <laughs> so I'm at 87% completion. So it's it's a game with less trophies, I guess. But yeah, regardless. It's a crazy thing, man. It's a crazy thing to think that, number one, I've been playing Sony for so long, and I've never platinumed a game. So. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Weird. Um, (laughs) Nintendo. Yeah. Nintendo news. So here's a good one. Um, 2020 was, like, profit-wise, record-setting years. Um, They announced also that they were up 81% year over year. Additionally... Uh, they are approaching 85 million sales of its Nintendo Switch console. Good for them. Crazy. But let's remember that the Wii U was a bit of a dog. Right? Oh, yeah. it, it, it underperformed. I, I don't think Nintendo were hurt by it, but I don't think Nintendo enjoyed the lavish parties that would come with a successful con- uh, console launch. So they nailed it with the Switch, which evolutionarily it is linked to the Wii U. It's a, it's the concept that they improved upon. And I gotta say, I'm still like as much as I always want to boast about being off Animal Crossing, I still log in every day and do a little grind. And uh, for that reason alone, I think the Switch is one of my most used consoles. So it, it it's surprising and it's not surprising. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because I think about my own usage and I go, oh, crap, and that's alarming over 700 hours into a video game Jesus. in a year. That's like, ridiculous, Phil. You have b- better. I know. <laughs> I, I don't know how many hours it is, but it, it was it was in the hundreds. So I'm like, yeah, but y- you know what? That's pandemic life, too. Yeah. I, I sat there and just did shit in that game, not necessarily playing it. But good for Nintendo. I'm I'm happy that their numbers are really high, and it's one of those companies that beats to its own drummer. And I encourage it. It's, yep. So you know, the be- year 2020 saw Nintendo sell 230.9 million games. To date, they've sold 587.12 oh. million games for the Switch. Is this including digital? Uh no. <laughs> So, Monster Hunter sold well. <laughs> yeah, right? Right? It's crazy. And here's the thing. I want to get that game. Monster Hunter. But I want to buy a physical copy. <laughs> yeah. Um. So, with all the success, and because Nintendo has always kind of been on the forefront of technology, whether it's, you know, say what you want about Nintendo and who they promote their consoles for, but Nintendo has always been on the forefront of technology. Um, you know, they spent record numbers in R&D in the past year. Uh, they spent 
$80 million in R&D in 2020. Yeah, and well, that's going to pay off with this Switch Pro. Or whatever comes next. Yeah, so this thing, it certainly sounds like the thing that they're building right now is a bit of a beast. Um, With its... It's manipulation. Let's put it that way. It's not it's not going to be a true 4K experience. It's going to be an augmented one. And that's okay. You know what? Um I play my Nintendo Switch. I don't play it for the highest fidelity graphics. Exactly. I don't play it for all these other reasons that maybe I I tune into my PlayStation for yep. or my Xbox. I play it cuz the games are fun. And that's what Nintendo has in spades. Yes. Is their in-house games are made to be fun. So good for them. And that's why I'm a big proponent, like a, a big fan of Nintendo. Yeah. They have a, a genuine feel about the music, the characters, the gameplay. Everything about it just is a very nostalgic, consistent happening. Yeah. You know? Yeah. So, Get all right, we're going to move on, on to Microsoft and Xbox. So, here's an interesting one. And I've, I've been saying this for a long time. Microsoft slowly hints at the fact that they're going to drop hardware. My my opinion, my speculation, that I, I truly believe in my heart of hearts that very soon we will not have a physical Xbox system. Because they always drop these things, um, and these news tidbits that go against what and 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 you would question why would they ever sell hardware and microsoft dropped another one last week they say that it has never made a profit from selling an xbox console i'm not shocked yeah (laughs) they say we we don't we sell the consoles at a loss yeah, that's that's always been known, right? The, mm-hmm. the idea is is that you're going to get it back in games. Yes, right? software because games have software has a pad. All right, they, they, you have a markup on software, especially digital games, as we've noted in the past. So, you know, uh, being a former computer store manager or assistant manager, I can say that you know software was about twenty five, twenty to twenty five percent. Um. Obviously, there was more horrendous markup items, like items like speakers and cables and mouse mats and shit like that that people would just go nuts over. And we were just, it was literally getting it from China for 90 cents and selling it for $10. So there are cash cows in the industry, and that's the premise of selling this kind of stuff. Like, these systems are overbuilt, and yeah, and you know what? What happens is... Once you maybe start making money on them, then you have to redesign them and make them smaller. So you're losing yep. money again because you're yep. just going into the R&D and recasting and retooling. And, you know, it, it just never ends. Like, it's it's tough. Yep. But I always liken Microsoft's experience with Xbox to being with their Surface product and things like that. Yeah. Now, funny that you say that about the R&D because of the redesign. I think... Sony has hinted at the fact that we may be getting a PS5 redesign a lot sooner rather than later. And the reason for that is because the outlook of um, PS5 
is a little interesting. So Sony CFO Hiroki Hiroki Totoki confirmed um, that the company that the company can't do anything to increase its supply as long as the demand is high. The supply will be low for the PS5. Not only is the semiconductor shortage not going anywhere, but there are other factors contributing to the scarcity. Um, so they might. Uh, expedite a redesign of the ps5 to help with the semiconductor issue and quote-unquote other factors that's interesting i i know that i'd seen that headline this week and i didn't read into it so that uh, you're getting genuine on this one um it's shocking but it's good if they if they manage to do it yeah but the, the only the only concern that i have is would they be making or releasing basically the S version of the X? You know what I mean? Like Microsoft That's what I was thinking. This light-powered consoles that are doing 2K and maybe are cutting other corners. And I'm like, is that still the same experience at that point? Like, I don't geez, think Sony would do that. I don't think that's in the Sony cards, to be 100% honest with you. And again, just based on what I think feel Sony does and how they evaluate the market. Microsoft has they have balls to do this and they can do this. They're Microsoft, right? But I don't think Sony has mm -hmm. the the consumer power, the name brand, the recognition that a Microsoft has to pull a bullshit move like that. The only thing that I would say about that is when you look at the Sony PlayStation 3, and they released the PlayStation 3 Slim, it had less features. And there are corners that get cut. I think even with the PS4 Slim, there was some stuff that got reduced just to fit it in the footprint, but it's not as bad as Microsoft. You are correct. It's not as bad as the X and the S yeah. per se. But there are things that they do realize in order to get that footprint, in order to get that experience, right? So I just, it'll be interesting to see how it stacks because they already say that as we talked about this week, uh, as jokes, Microsoft are really in the business of selling statistics. Yep. Right. Because they've got nothing else to sell their console. Exactly. So they're coming out and saying, well, we're doing all these first person shooters with really, really high frame rates and things like that because they're reselling old stuff. And just saying, oh, we've we've polished it now, and and we've done it a hundred times. And what has Sony done? Nothing. Well, Sony happened to release a game that was actually pretty good last week. That's yeah. only on their console. Like, I, I don't know about you, but I'm really not looking to go and play old games again. I'm looking to get new experiences here. I'm tired yeah. of the relaunches. Like, I say that, and this week, you know what I'm going to buy? I'm going to buy Mass Effect Legendary. <laughs> I was literally going to say that. It's like, we both say that so often, and later this week we're going to be talking about Mass Effect. Yeah, but that's a nostalgia key, and that's an access key. I could go back and fire up all my old stuff and play Mass Effect. Yes, you're right. But I also want to send the message, if I can, comfortably, with my wallet, send the message that I want more of this content. Yep. Don't give me the crap of anthem don't give me that stuff give me more mass effect you yes. made a world now celebrate it like and don't andromeda i i know tyler loves it but it, it struggled 
It wasn't as horrible as everybody dogpiled on it. Tyler's I'll not here. That. We can say the game sucked. It was it was paced wrong. Yeah. <laughs> it, it had good ideas, but it was paced wrong for me. Yeah. It didn't yeah. didn't get my so, excitement level. Overall, same here. Um but you know, it's one of those games that I feel like just replaying just to to give it a shot again. Yeah, I, I've I've attempted it a couple times and and enjoyed my experience, but eventually, again, the the foundation is just so flawed in it, and the learning curve is just so whacked that I'm like, oh, it's it's trying to build too much at a certain point. It's trying to do these duplicate economies, yeah. and you're just having to manage all kinds of stuff that way. And I'm like, wow, this got boring really fast. <laughs> yep, so, I know. That's that's my challenge. That's not the games, but I think the industry in general kind of left that one behind. Yeah, no, we'll, <laughs> we'll see what happens. Um, but yeah, it's going to be an interesting week. There's a lot that's going to be happening over the next week. We have a lot to talk about. One of the things that we will be talking about on a special episode, well, I should stop saying special episode, our second episode, midweek episode, uh, we're going to be talking about the Bad Batch we're going to be chatting about what we thought um, and, you know, whatever else happens in the review world. Yeah, I like it. Um, it's good to have regular content again from Disney. I'm glad that they're keeping the, the drum beaten and whatnot. And um, we're getting a lot of fun. I like I just like having Star Wars in my life. I love the MCU, but I like having Star Wars in my life. So, yep. same good. Here. And I'm seeing very positive feedback about the Bad Batch. I was a little nervous with that first episode what people were going to be thinking about it. Yeah, overall, it's been well-received. I gotta admit. Yeah. And you know what? If you want it, like, basically, first off, happy Mother's Day to all the mothers out there. Just want to get that because we didn't say it off the top. And uh, if you want to get in contact with us, you can track us down on our website at www.itscanonpodcast.com. You can hit us up on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook at itscanonpodcast. You can email us at show at itscanonpodcast.com. You can subscribe via Apple Podcasts. Basically, anywhere you find podcasts, you're going to find the It's Canon Podcast. And if you like what you hear, make sure to subscribe and leave a rate and review, if at all possible, on the platform. And thank you so much for taking the time to listen to us. Yep. Thank you for listening. Thank you for leaving reviews. Thank you for subscribing. Every click, every listen, every word matters to us. Um, so I want to thank everyone for listening. Phil, thanks for joining on this wild ride, as always. Um, and we will be back on Wednesday with a second episode as we talk about all things Star Wars and the Bad Batch. It's the It's Canon Podcast, the podcast where we talk about everything. He's Phil. I'm Boris. Good night. <laughs>